buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is up, sales hustlers? I have a special guest for you today. I've got Jordana Zeldin, who is the founder and sales coach of Spring Training. We're going to learn a little bit about her story and how she got into sales. And then we're going to talk about sales, sales, and more sales as usual. Jordana, welcome to the show. And thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Colin. All right. So just give us the short version as I tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got into sales. And then we're going to talk nothing but tactical sales so that people can up their game. Sounds good. So I am one of the many people in the sales industry who never intended to be here. Um, I came in through the back door of the art world. I mm. was running arts nonprofits. I was representing artists, curating exhibitions and um, uh, an art technology company, a company that wanted to bring all the world's art online, needed a B2B team. And they hired me for my domain expertise, and I had zero hard sales skills to speak of. I was kind and curious and personable and could talk to our target clients, you know, gallerists. Mm -hmm. um, but that was it. So I was really starting, starting from scratch. Mm, okay. So yes, very common story. Most people that got into sales <laughs> yeah. didn't plan sales, no. didn't grow up thinking I want to get into sales. You know, based on the current times, I have a sneaking suspicion with what's going on. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be falling into sales right now. Um, so, you know, I, I, I want to ask, like, how do you think that benefited you? Like knowing nothing about sales, having no hard sales skills, like just kind of falling into it and, and, and making the best out of what you knew which was limited in a sales capacity. How did that benefit you starting out in sales? That's a good question. I mean, I got to be honest, you know, and I know I'm not alone here, but for like a year, at least a year, I was kind of embarrassed even about the idea of being in sales. And, you know, one of the mm. challenges about being in a in an early stage tech startup was that like my head of sales had been an intern, like, three years prior. So there was really no one to show me the way. Um, so in some ways, I think that that forced me to be experimental. And, you know, I wasn't falling, following a kind of well-trodden path. But I think the real breakthrough honestly came when we did finally hire someone who really knew what they were doing. Um, he was a pretty seasoned head of sales. And the most powerful thing that he encouraged us to do, which utterly transformed our team and transformed me as a seller, was to bring ourselves 
to the sales conversation. Um, mm. And what I mean by that is so many of us, you know, because sales has such kind of yucky baggage, we have this idea of like what a salesperson is. And for a lot of us, when we discover or find ourselves being a salesperson, we kind of perform that role. And it's different from who we are, which I think leads, you know, if you're not connected to yourself as a seller, I think it can be really hard to build honest, genuine and connected relationships with prospects. So once I learned to bring my imperfect, quirky, you know, self into the sales conversation, that that is really where everything changed. And that's actually a big part of what I work on, um, you know, with with, with sell, seller clients that I work with, too. Wow. Okay. So, so many good things there. And, and, and I agree, right? So it's very common. People get into sales, have this persona of who they are as a salesperson that yeah. isn't in alignment, that isn't integrated with who they are as a person. Um, and I know that I experienced this firsthand because when I first got into sales, like it was all about just getting the sale. I honestly didn't really care that much about selling, serving, mm -hmm. helping right. others or anything like that. It was like, how am I going to get my commission check? to be larger than it was last pay period, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, there's something about like the evolution of salespeople where like that's only gonna take you so far before it feels really gross and not genuine or authentic mm. or in alignment with who you are. Um, and I, I think that what you said is bringing yourself, right? All of your flaws, who yes, you are. Yes, your humanity. And people really appreciate that where you're not just really scripted, really just like, telling them the things that they want to hear to get them to the next stage of the sales process or just, you know, saying yes to everything, whether it's true or not to just further along the sale. Um, and that's be unfortunately become like commonplace of a lot of sales environments or people because lack of training, lack of leadership or whatever the case is. So tell me like, what are some examples of like bringing yourself into the conversation in your sales talk tracks? You know, it, that's a really good question. This is something, it's fresh because I was just working with a client on it the other day and he's a new client. And we were starting to work on a skill, like the skill of how to introduce, like how to begin the meeting essentially. And we went into role play and I noticed this shift in him happen where he almost left his body and you know, straightened up in the posture that conveyed whatever like cardboard cutout confidence is and like his face tightened. And before we could even like begin working on the skill, I was like, hold, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, are you like, what, what is it that you think? Um, I guess I was like, who is salesperson you? Like, what is it? What what shift just happened here? And we started to kind of develop some awareness around his physicality, like the, you know, the physical kind of tightening up of his body. Um, and also this idea, this narrative that he had about himself, that him just as him is boring. It He lacks energy. He lacks charisma. And he'd heard, you know, sales is a transfer of energy. So I've got to like pump myself up and be energetic. Yeah. And I'm actually one of those people that believes, you know, yes, sales can be a transfer of energy, but I think that sales is, is better positioned as a transfer of connectedness. And I think that that starts with you being, staying with you. Being, being connected to you. And I think that especially now when people's noses are so finely attuned to inauthenticity, people can smell and act a mile away. And the only way, if you're hoping to develop an actual human relationship, a real connection with your prospect, it has to start with being connected to you. So super tactically, you know, especially for newer sellers who are 
and in navigating like their identity as as them versus salesperson them, it can be as simple as like having a colleague listen in on a call or a manager and and noticing is is there a shift? Is there a gap that happens when I jump into me as seller me? And then it's really about just getting really um, deliberate about examining how to close that gap. And it can be super simple posture and the stories that we tell ourselves about what true confidence is versus what grounded connectedness, imperfect humanity is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so basically what you're saying is like being vulnerable, right? Like being, like being vulnerable, like, you know, here's a, here's a small example, right? People, everybody's done this as a seller. You show up to a meeting late. Don't give the prospect some bullshit reason why you showed up late. Oh, I'm really sorry. My boss was this or that, or I was stuck in traffic, whatever, or even maybe miss a meeting. Like stuff happens. Be fully honest. Like, yes. hey, I was heads down work and I totally forgot about our meeting. I apologize. Yes. Yes. Like that yes. vulnerable, right? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Colin. Like I've been thinking a lot about the role of vulnerability, not just, you know, people talk about creating psychological safety on sales teams, which I think is really important. But I also think that part of our job as sellers is to create a sense of psychological safety within the buyer-seller relationship. And what I mean mm. by that, and vulnerability is just, it's been so on the brain. I even have Brene Brown daring greatly on my desk. And she is a scholar of shame and vulnerability. But you know, we as sellers kind of take it for granted that a prospect, someone we've never met before, is just going to open up to a total stranger or worse, a salesperson about their deep, dark, painful business challenges. I mean, that mm. is really assumptive. And I think the question is, you know, what can we do early on in the interaction, because we have to do it fast to signal that this is a place where vulnerability is welcome and will be held and cared for. And I think a really good way to do that, as you've pointed out, is to signal our humanity by bringing our own vulnerability and perfection and, and imperfection into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think it also ties into like, you know, everybody's talking about their brand, their brand, their brand, build your brand. And I'm a big, I'm a big believer is like your brand is not something you build. Your brand is who you are and just being more public and more vulnerable and more honest about that with your prospect in your talk tracks on social media. Right. And bringing all of you to the conversation. Um, and, that way you're going to you're going to relate with people better. You're going to build rapport faster so that you earn the right to ask those questions to uncover the pain of their business problems. I love what you just said there because so often as sellers we talk about earning the right to sell our product, but we have to earn the right to do something before we sell which is, as you say, to ask those questions. And it's not a given that we have the right to learn about our prospects' challenges. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the prospects, the the prospects are, there's, buyers are so smart these days. Like, I mean, it's hard to be, you know, dishonest about your product or your service or your company. Like all that stuff is public. And most of your personal stuff's out there too, if they really want to dig, right? So- You know, why not just make it easy and, and, and show up who, as you are? And, you know, you said it a little bit earlier is like, you know, people can re- read into that stuff, right? And my good mm-hmm. friend, Larry, Larry Levine, likes to say they can smell your commission breath. Yes, you know? Josh Braun says that too. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, it's it's so true, right? So just show up. I like to view sales as serving, right? But you got to mm. dig deep to be able to really, ha- and it's easy to say that, but it's harder to actually believe that and actually walk like that, right? And, right. and, and you really got to dig deep of, okay, yeah, what is your why? Well, maybe it's not just, okay, I'm helping my prospect, but you know, maybe your solution that you're selling is employing people that don't have opportunity elsewhere. Maybe it's you know some bigger meaning for you and your family or the people that you support. Um, so really digging deep in what to the why is for your prospect and for you to really have a servant mindset as a seller. And when you can really master that, sales changes big time. I could, I could not, could not agree more. Yeah. All right. So I, it's very clear to me that you're a big believer that like, it really starts with yourself. Like there's some inside work that has to be done personally before you yeah. can show up as your best self as a salesperson. Right? That's right. So what are some of the practices? What are the things that you work with people on to really, you know, be willing to go on that journey? Cause that could be a scary place for a lot of people. Well, it's funny, you know, there, so there's no one magic silver bullet exercise that allows someone to connect with themselves. I mean, I think that's kind of in some ways like a life's work, right? But, you know, I think a really interesting thing to do if you're, let's say, hopping on, in, you know, into a series of cold calls or you're getting ready for a meeting with a prospect is to just quickly, you know, take a beat, close your eyes, check in with yourself and be like, where am I at and what am I feeling right now? And then tell yourself, like that that's enough. You know, there's again, there's this sense we have to have this like inflated false energy in order to be really effective sellers. But at the end of the day, like, I don't think so. So it's tricky. A, I think that relationship is important. You know, I know that Challenger says that like relationship builders are the least successful sellers. I think every interaction with another human being is a type of relationship and there are rules of the road of that relationship. So I think that building true relationship matters. But I also think that it isn't our job as sellers to get people to like us at hello. It is our job, as you say, to really um, position ourselves as, as having this servant mindset, the service mindset, so that our sole focus is to deliver them value and to share knowledge to help them, as Josh Braun says, be more awesome. And if you're having a slightly low energy day, that's okay, as long as you are connected enough to yourself, right, to be able to connect person to person to bring your vulnerability and to to do the work, which is essentially to, as you say, earn the right to learn about their challenges and then leverage all of the knowledge that you have, your domain expertise, insights that you gain from the industry to share with them, to help them regardless in some ways of, of whether or not they buy. If they can come away from your selling conversation, knowing more and feeling clearer about their business, I think that's a win. Mm. Okay. So give me some examples of how you would do that. Okay. So, so good. Let's get tactical. So do you, when you ask for examples, are you talking about like Like, how, how to connect with yourself or how to begin a sales conversation? Sure. Let's, let's, let's talk, let's talk, uh, everybody's biggest problem, filling the funnel, top, top of funnel activities, prospecting outbound, pick a channel, right? Oh man. Whatever your your flavor is. And then how are you adding value? Or as Josh Braun likes to say, making deposits. Making deposits. Yeah. Give us some, give us, give us some goodies. How are you, how are you doing that? How would you do that? How would you coach people in how to do that in a consistent, scalable way? 
So to be super transparent, my wheelhouse, my area of specialization and my area of interest tends to be the sales conversation itself. Once you've Mm. gotten the meeting and are beginning and developing the relationship, um, like Jason Bay, for example, is your man, I think, to share tips and tactics for filling the funnel and prospecting. But for me, you know, I'm interested in, all right, like you've got the prospect on the phone. What do you need to do to, to kind of quickly, again, establish like vulnerability, trust and openness so that, um, you know, the, the conversation can proceed transparently and you can really dig in there. And I think there are a couple of key things that, that you can do there. Um, you know, one, I think that there's a pressure in our industry to like talk about the weather or talk about the big game or talk about as though... I mean, look, we all, you know, exchanging pleasantries, whatever, but like rapport isn't really built there. Mm. I think that rapport is, is built through, uh, the, the, the kind of proof of your expertise and desire to help. So something that I've been working on with, with my clients lately is, you know, if you're feeling like, let's say you see something in the background of someone's home because they're working out of their home because it's COVID and we all are and it strikes your interest, great. Like if it authentically is interesting for you to talk about, begin there. But I think that if, let's say you're having a low energy day in an absence of any small talk or anything to say, you can say something like, you know, um, I'm super excited to talk. You know, I was researching your company, uh, you know, before this call and I noticed X, Y, and Z, right? So something maybe exciting, me at a, a new hire, an office expansion, or um, you know some press collaboration, whatever it is. So show you've done your research first and foremost, and then you can dig right into the meat and potatoes of the meeting, which is you know in order to make this meeting as helpful and value be valuable for you as possible. You know I put together a kind of agenda that really serves as a jumping off point for our conversation, and then from there. Rather than going into first we will, then we will, next we will, we want to use a lot of kind of soft and collaborative language to start to subliminally signal that this is indeed a collaboration. So it could be, you know, first, I thought it'd be really helpful for us to dig into X, Y, and Z. From there, why don't we dot, dot, dot. And next, Mm. if it makes sense and you're feeling comfortable, you know, we can explore what next we can explore what next steps could look like so it's about you know bringing bringing the possibility of and the purpose of you know having this meeting to explore next steps without any of that assumptive bs at at the top of the meeting that i think is inevitably going to lead to barriers going up so that's mm. one like super tactical way begin authentically if you want a small talk and it's in your heart great feel no pressure to do it skip to delivering value as quickly as possible and communicate to them with the words that you use that this is going to be while you are a steward while you are a kind of sherpa of the meeting this is going to be a collaborative exchange for their benefit all right so so many good things there listen up (laughs) you might want to hit rewind and listen to that a couple times over because this is uh you know what Jordan is talking about is like how to really build rapport, how to really show up, how to really have a collaborative conversation rather than just a autoplay demo or talk track. Right. Um, And uh, there's a few things that kind of stood out to me with with what you're saying is like enough with these like pleasantries, like how's the weather, talk about the sports and all that, you know, if that's your style, sure. But it's not going to take you as far as you could go with really showing up, you know, it's easy to say, do your research and find out these things. But how many people are really doing that? 
Right. Not as many as you think. Not right. as many people are really taking 15, 20, 30 minutes before the meeting to check them out on social, to see what's going on with their company, to see what things that they care about and show it makes such a big difference. It's just like when you go to a job interview, you do your research on the company so that you can show up in the interview to show that you cared enough to actually look into what they do, you know, what their history is and things like same thing with your sales conversation. Just by doing a little bit of time shows that you care and gives you so so much more respect from the prospect that you took yes. the time to do that to be able to so they're going to be more open and honest and collaborative with you because you did that exactly it shows your thoughtfulness preparedness your credibility and your genuine interest in them they are the stars of these conversations right we want the spotlight to be on them and you know People, you know, people at psychologists, you know, talk all the time about how feeling seen and heard is one of the most important things that anybody wants in their life. Like, let's give them the feeling of being seen and heard right away. And I actually, you know, I, I forgot something that's super vital in going through your agenda. You know, in addition to using soft, less driving collaborative language, another really vital way of signaling the collaboration is when you finish your agenda, you know, rather than saying, uh, so does that sound good? And then maybe they'll, you know, 99% of the time they'll say yes, and we have no idea if they're bought in. Let's engage them and ask them, you know, what's the most important thing that you want to get out of the meeting today? Or, you know, what do you want to make sure that we talk about today? And that gives them the floor, gives them the input and begins the dialogue so that you're folding their needs and wants right into the agenda and, you know, and the conversation that follows. Mm, yeah, because nothing is more frustrating from a prospect when you show up to a sales call not prepared and you literally just go through a demo and talk about a bunch of stuff that they probably don't even care about. Exactly. It's not, exactly. not even that's not even relevant. It's the quickest way to kill your deal and, you know, lose that trust and lose that rapport that you may have already built. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, like to be harping on this idea of the agenda, but I actually I'm one of these people that believes like so much of the outcome of like whatever you whatever happens after the agenda actually starts here. You know, another really great thing to do, which I think gives your prospect a sense of autonomy and also shortens that like horrible feeling like chasing into the void after, you know, they've stopped communicating with you and you're continuing to follow up is to be super transparent and say, look, if after this conversation, this doesn't feel like a fit, do I have your promise that you're going to be straight with me? Straight with me? Like I'm a straight yeah. shooter here. And if I find through the conversation that we're not a fit, and that in fact, there's a company that's better or, you know, another direction that we could, that you, that I think you could take with this. It's going to benefit your business. I'm going to tell you, do we have a deal? So it's like, it's kind of an upfront contract, but it's an upfront yep. contract around transparency and it gives them the permission to say no, which I think is also one of the most powerful things that we can um, give a prospect. I am such a believer <laughs> in that. I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah, call it what you want. Upfront contract, setting the table properly, whatever you want to look at it is like, people don't want to let people down. People don't like like saying no, people don't want conflict. People don't yes. want to feel like if they tell you no, that you're going to try to convince them why they should say yes. So setting that expectation from the very beginning in initial sales conversations is crucial because it gives them an out and also be, be okay with bringing it up again, right? Like set yes. the table, get the upfront contract halfway through the sales you know, cycle. Like, Hey, is this still feeling like it'd be a fit for you? If not, it's totally okay. I understand 
you know, because ultimately nobody wants to spend time and spin their wheels on a deal that's never going to close. And it's better to give them that out and they'll respect you enough for it so that if later on there's a better time and they feel like they had a good experience, they might get back in your sales funnel, right? Exactly. Or, some, or sometimes those people can be super beneficial to you in another way. If it wasn't a right fit, if it was a no, they're going to be, and, and, and they had a good experience, it's going to be okay to ask them for feedback. Like, hey, I understand it didn't work out. It wasn't the right time, whatever the case is. How could I have done better? You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to become better and serve my clients better. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions? Do you have any feedback? How could exactly. I have made it a better experience for you? Because the people that say no, getting feedback from them is going to help you up your game as a sales professional so that you get less no's in the future. Right. No, that's exactly right. And that that's part of the reason too, why I said like, if you're able to serve them, help them, leave them with value, irrespective of whether or not they buy, not only is that just going to feel good from a karmic perspective, and you're going to, it's like, you know, giving just feels good. And that's something that I'm really interested just in exploring as I continue all my kind of sales studies and, and continue to build my consultancy. But, you know, you never know if that person is going to go to another company where the timing is better or whether or not they're going to move into a leadership role. So I really think a seller's, you know, even with kind of trans transactional sales, it's important for us to be thinking about the, the long-term relationship game, not just the quick kind of win. Yes. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Even in transactional sales, don't treat the relationships transactional. No, no. Um, exactly. I want to, I want to go back a little bit because there's a couple things you said. And one thing you said is people want to feel like they're being heard. Right. Yeah. And this is such an important piece. And it's something that I struggled with early on as a salesperson is I had my script. I had my talk track. I had my playbook. I had what I knew I needed to say to get people to the next stage of the sale. And, 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 and when you get caught in that, which it's very easy to do, especially if you're new, you're, you're green and you're just like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to deal with objections. Like here's things that other people are saying. And you're loaded up with your tool belt of things to say. A lot of times you can miss if you're not really actively listening yes. to your prospect in those sales conversations, you miss so many opportunities to ask deeper, better questions. And it's a, and it's going to help you be armed with more facts to help and serve them in a better way. But it's also building your respect and your rapport as well. Absolutely. And you know, all too often, I think discovery is treated as this section of the pitch of your sales conversation that's separate from the pitch. And it's like so many sellers, like for so many sellers, discovery and questioning ends after this, you know, discovery phase is magically over. And I think that, you know, we miss a lot of opportunities if we're treating discovery that way. You know, discovery is ongoing. It's happening throughout the conversation. It happens anytime that you want to clarify something they said or that you want to explore a need. And, you know, I also think that we want to make sure as sellers that we're not just asking our questions to do discovery to kind of qualify or disqualify, or worse to just like ask questions to get them talking. We really want to use what we learn in discovery as a kind of compass for how to then position our product. And it can be really helpful, you know, as we're going through our pitch, not to just go through all the features and benefits, but to say, you know, you mentioned earlier, mm. you have X, Y, and Z need. And that, you know, that makes me think you're really going to be excited about this. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, your, your situation reminds me a lot of a client of ours and, and 
tell, you know, tell the story and, you know, leverage storytelling as a way to both create a more, um, you know, engaging and relatable scenario around the, you know, the feature or benefit that you want to talk about, but to also show like, I've absorbed everything that you've shared. I've really taken in your circumstances and this is what it triggered in my mind. And this is why it's going to be valuable for you. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Your discovery should set the stage for the next conversation and you should be using storytelling and connecting the dots for them. Yes. And, you know, a, a, a easy example of that is if they talk, if there's a specific feature that they've expressed that they don't care about or that it's important, then in your demo, you better not be showing them that feature. Yes. You want to yes. make, you want to make a point of saying, Hey, I know when we talked, you said that you don't use this or this isn't important or you wouldn't benefit that. I'm going to skip past this. Use and that you know, to your benefit uh, to show that you paid attention enough to skip past that and not waste their time. Exactly. And it's those little moments. It's those little moments of saying, I know you said X, showing I heard you, I saw you, right? And because you said that, I'm going to adjust whatever it is I planned. And that in itself is powerful and builds trust and rapport. Absolutely. All right. So now what about, what about after the demo, after the sales talk, you know, the discovery demo, whatever the process is, how to keep how to keep that relationship going in the direction? What are some things that people can do? Well, I mean, I think what's really important during the demo is to, so again, like, you know, we think of these like separate sections of the conversation, but I think that even in a pitch, even you know, in the pitch portion of the call, like we should be actively asking questions. So it doesn't seem like this monologue and then, so are you going to do it? It's like, mm -hmm. it's a, it's an ongoing dialogue throughout the process of pitching. And then, you know, once you've finished, of course, you know, they'll have questions, hopefully, and, and you'll be engaging with them. And then there's the opportunity to refer back to that kind of upfront contract that you started and say, hey, you know, early on, you know, in our, you know, in our, even in our agenda, the top of the meeting, we said how we'd be super straight with each other. Like, what's, like, what, what's your gut here? What are you feeling? What do you, you know, how, how, how does what I presented here, um, really speak to the needs that you guys have right now. And from there, you can kind of gauge the temperature. And of course, you know, if there's other buyers that are, that are, you know, are involved in the conversation or whatnot, you know, you can make a plan to bring them in. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that the end of the conversation should be, you know, monologue pitch and then so are you in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, you know, you might need to remind them of the things that you discussed prior, like that upfront contract, like the impact that the, you know, but what the impact is of the problem that's not being solved if they don't proceed, you know, reminding them of those things to keep the conversation going. Absolutely. And, you know, being really clear about what the next steps could look like, you know, after, you know, after you get a feel and it's not going to be, hopefully, if you're asking the right questions and really engaging them, it shouldn't be a mystery about, you know, where they're at by the time you finish your quote unquote pitch. But you can just talk through next steps. You know, typically the way, you know, the way that this works is if, you know, if this is something you're really excited about and you want to bring in those other folks that you mentioned into the conversation, we can do X, Y, and Z, right? If you're like, you really want to continue to, um, it, it, it's less about kind of leading in a way and more about kind of guiding the process and make them feel like this is well-trodden territory and that there are a set of clear next steps that they can take, you know, should they be ready to either purchase or set up a second meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Jordana, thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, I it's really such a appreciate pleasure. it. Yeah, such a we, pleasure. 
Lots of goodies in here for you, sales hustlers. Jordana has something special for you. I'm going to let her tell you what it is and how you can connect with her. Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, as um, you know, Colin mentioned at the at the top of the the podcast, I am a sales coach. I have a sales coaching consultancy called Spring Training. Um, and what Spring Training is is it's really a direct to seller coaching initiative for sellers who want to take their own development into their own hands. Perhaps there's you know a coaching vacuum within their organization. They might not be getting the support that they need for management uh, from management. And you know what I'd like to offer ten. 10 listeners um, of the Sales Hustle podcast is a session with me, a session designed to um, make sure that you are prepared with a plan of attack, with talk tracks if need be, um, with best practices and behaviors for a real upcoming uh, you know, meeting or call that you have with a client. Um, if this is interesting to you, you can email me directly at... Uh, Spring with two eyes, S P R I I N G training at gmail.com. And if you put sales hustle in the subject line, I'll know that, that you're interested in a session. If you could kind of either shoot a video or just drop me a couple lines about, you know, what you'd be looking to get out of the session and what you want to prep for, uh, I'll get back to you soon and we can get a session on the books. All right. There you go. First 10. You better, uh, you know, Take advantage of that before the first 10 slots are gone. Jordana, thank you so much. If you are listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out, and if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell, and if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.